Welcome to the podcast. It's the worst territory in the world. Personalities, history, and other stories. We know you're craving for more knowledge. Let the champions get their glory. It's the worst territory in the world. All right, everybody, welcome. It is the best time of the week to discuss maybe the worst territory in the world. I am Gabe sitting here with Chris Goff. Chris, we've got one heck of a show lined up this week as we dive deep, deeper into the NWL. And what better way to do it than with our special guest joining us on Zoom right now. Chris, why don't you tell us about your week and also introduce our special guests. Well, yeah, I want to get right to the meat of the matter here. I mean, we have done several episodes on the NWL, which for those of you not privileged enough to go through the NWL's history of a year and a half, it was a great 18 months. And I mean, I'm being that I'm saying it sarcastically, but I actually mean it. Uh, I loved it. But a lot of people, you know, a lot of people remember it, but a lot of people either older or younger than me now may not have remembered it right now. So um, one of the guys that joined us during that time, Gabe, as you know, is a guy that wrestled for Metro Pro Wrestling and many other companies, but that's how I knew him. He wrestled for me in Metro Pro Wrestling, and I got to know him really well. Uh, there was like a carload of guys that would come over from Colorado, and this guy was always one of them. Uh, he's played a couple like little tricks on me coming from Colorado. <laughs> But uh, but I still like him anyway. He goes by Hoodie Howlett. That you know, he's part of the Howlett's tag team now. He started the Howlett's in NWL, and he's still kicking ass today. Hoodie, welcome. What's up, guys? Thanks for thanks for having me. It's awesome yeah. to be on here. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, too, absolutely. Man. the 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 only man that's had the distinction of making me cry in the audience. Wow. When when you had your match, and we'll get to that, uh, the kind of it was like an NWL mini reunion at the Metro Pro Show after we closed was uh, your your match with uh, with Haku, and yeah. that was a very very emotional emotional match <laughs> because I saw how much it meant to you and how close we had become and all of us had become in the NWL. So I was actually tearing up in the crowd. I was like, <laughs> so, so proud yeah, of you. Yeah, that was a, I, that was I a good night. It was a good night. It was it was a really good night. But Hoodie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as as Chris said, we're excited to have you on. Why don't you start from the beginning and tell us how you know the NWL came a knocking and how you got introduced to the Kansas City wrestling scene? Yeah, so I mean, kind of like Chris said, I started out wrestling for Metro Pro. I I couldn't even tell you really the year, Chris. I mean, you might know. I mean, more you than were me, there. But... You were there early. I mean, it had yeah. to been somewhere between 2010, 2011, because that's when we started bringing in. You know, gosh, there was a lot of guys. the The other Paul Diamond, uh, you, <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony Morales. Um, yeah, there were several guys from Colorado. I mean, Josh Sipple, Josh FX, of course. I mean, you know, uh, Father Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of dudes made up uh, the Metro Pro roster from Colorado early on because Derek Stone was involved in that too, and a lot of those guys came over with him. But uh, Hoodie, you can talk about you know how you got started in Kansas City because did, before Metro Pro, had you spent any time here at all? Not at all. I I hadn't I didn't, hadn't even been to Kansas City before uh, Metro started, and yeah, Derek was the one that kind of Derek Stone was the one that invited me to come out and uh, start wrestling for you guys and I think maybe the first time I even came out I, I don't even think I had a spot on the card but I remember meeting you and uh you know you were it, I just 
in comparison to everything that I had done in Colorado at the time, Metro Pro was just like insane how organized it was and how, you know, how good the talent was. And, you know, there were guys like Jeremy Wyatt and Michael Strider, um, Adam Pierce was on the shows. Like it was just crazy to see the level of talent and the difference between where I was coming from to, um, to Metro. So it was always like, I always looked forward to those Metro bookings, especially back in those days. And, you know, once, once I got like, you know, my feet wet with you and I, I felt like you started to trust me more and more as we, as we went on. Cause you always kind of gave me like microphone time and you always kind of let me, you know, run with like the little things I was trying to experiment with my character. And uh, that was really helpful for me, especially in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, Gabe, it was fun to like work with hoodie early on because he was this fresh faced kid, you know, <laughs> just getting his beak wet. No, he, uh, he was, he would go out. Hoodie always was so great at, um, you know, no one in Kansas city knew who he was, of course, cause he didn't have years, you know, the Wyatt's the striders, they had years of right. time here, but hoodie comes in. And when you come from a situation like he did in Colorado, where no one would really know you are here, uh, it's sort of hard to get over heel or baby face really. Cause most people don't have the charisma or just time under the belt to do that. But <laughs> early on, it was pretty obvious that hoodie could get on a microphone and like uh, be comedic but also be a heel, like not like stupid, like I see on like one of the major companies now, but I mean, uh, like, like really, uh, still like have you hate him, but also like, I, I sort of laugh at this guy, but he, I really hate him too. Uh, he did this thing. It was funny. Hoodie would always do this thing where he'd be like, this is called a chin lock. He'd like, he'd have, a, he'd have a move on somebody or whatever. It was always something in the ring. And he would like, tell the idiots in the crowd what he was doing because they were so stupid. I mean, you remember that, buddy. Yeah. 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 The whole thing, the whole thing that I started out with was um, I just wanted to be like a loud mouth from California. That was the, that was kind of the, the groundwork of my character was just a loud mouth from California. So I came out with like the California flag and I would talk a lot of trash about any place that wasn't California. That's where I started doing the, I would have the announcer say something like the superior city of Long Beach, California. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then just as I kind of started to develop it and keep in mind too, this was all stuff I was doing like only at Metro. Like I was really trying to develop a character and something that I could grab onto. And uh, Chris was really good about like kind of encouraging me and giving me the opportunity to do some of these things. And yeah, I'd grab a, like a headlock and I'd be like, this is a submission hold. I learned this in Long Beach, California and stuff like that. And it always popped Chris. So I figured it would, it was working. Oh yeah. He was like, he was sweet talking the promoter that way by doing that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was great. Uh, he would, you'd always get like people hated him, but also loved him. And uh <laughs> There was this one promo that he did. Uh, it was his idea to start, but it was about like how he hadn't lost a match in like 14. It was like, he, had not, <laughs> he hasn't lost a match. And how long was it? And it was because he was comparing himself to the undertaker. Cause he hadn't yeah. been there in like a year or something. Yeah. It was I something forget. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I had like an undefeated streak because I hadn't actually wrestled in, in like a year and a half or something like that. So yeah, that was yeah. fun. Yeah. He was always like, so it was obvious early on that, hoodie could uh wrestle and be good on the stick it was good it was great and so it, it helped us is this pre anaya hoodie yeah and actually um 
Anaya's first out of state booking was at Metro Um, because, you know, I did the singles thing for a while. And then once I started tagging with him in Colorado, we, I mean, we established pretty early on that this was going to be like what we do from here, from here Mm. on out. So I brought, I actually was able to bring Anaya out for a tag match at Metro. And that was his first out of state booking against the commission actually. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Uh, the commission who I love hoodie and you know, a lot of people hated them, but I thought they were like meaning in the, you know, not a lot, a couple people really didn't like the commission. And I thought it was a great gimmick with Matt Jackson. We had him on here and we talked about that too. Uh, sometimes you don't, you know, I don't know, like, you know, you look at things like orange uh, Cassidy now and, the commission was actually a little bit more fleshed out than Orange Cassidy, in my opinion. They had a little <laughs> yeah. bit more, more than one trick pony, but they were comedic to, to begin with. And like him and Evan did a great job with that. But there was a time there, Hoodie, where, you know, whether it was in ring or on the mic or whatever, where we had a handful of tag teams, the, the uh, you and Anaya, uh, the commission and a few others that were there that were like, we had a, we had a good tag division for like an India yeah. at the time, which was hard to do, but um, hoodie, I, I always thought it was, you always brought so much to the table uh, in the ring. And so when NWL came around, of course, and it was sad when Metro pro was going away, but not so much to me. Cause I found a guy that was going to pay me a salary to <laughs> be in wrestling yeah. again. Yeah. Um, did, I forget, like, did I have, I know I had to tell all the guys who were getting regular bookings in Kansas city, like, Hey, this isn't, this is sort of going away, but what was your, how did I, I don't remember my exact talk with you or how you found out, how'd you find out that Metro pro is going away and this thing called the NWL with this guy named major Baysden is coming around. Yeah. I mean, we, you and I always kind of kept in touch, especially because I, I wanted to work at Metro. I mean, like you said, you, you had a great tag division, but you also just had like amazing wrestlers. That was the first time I saw ACH in person. It was the first time I, you know, I saw a lot of these guys. So um, I would always call you, you know, um, once a month or, you know, once every couple of months and just be like, Hey, like, is there any room or anything like that? And I do remember calling you and, and um, kind of asking about, what shows you had booked for the year. And I remember you kind of being like, well, I can't really talk too much about it, but you know, Metro is going away, but you know, there might be some other opportunities that I'm definitely going to keep you in mind for. And uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I remember kind of being like, well, I guess that's the end of that, <laughs> you know, cause it, it kind of felt like lip service a little bit, just cause sure. you know, you get, when you, when you hear something like that, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know what that means, but okay. And I had never even considered anything um, like the NWL starting up anyway, you know? So that was the furthest thing from my mind when you were kind of talking about other opportunities, but I just figured maybe it was like another indie or another, you know, kind of like once a month type show that you were going to be a part of. But um, really my, I feel like my, the serious conversation started when, like you guys reached out to Dak. Um, Dak, Dak Draper is another Colorado guy that um, obviously was heavily involved in uh, NWL from the very beginning. So sure. him being a good friend of mine, I remember him kind of telling me about the stuff that was going on. I think that's what really started the conversations about like, okay, like, you know, how can we, how can we bring us in and how, you know, what that would look like. Yeah, I, I do want to go back real quick. Uh, the Regals, I don't want to. They were one of the tags that I don't. I don't want them getting hot at me because I didn't mention <laughs> them. 
or the uh, the Casey Wolves were there too. We had like we had some good young tag teams there. Who is the Casey Hulk, Wolves golf? Casey Casey Wolves was Graham Bell and Luke oh, that's Langley. Right. That's right. So, that's right. Okay. And they were like very young too. I mean, very Luke. Yeah. I don't I don't ever see Graham anymore, but Luke has like gotten all ripped and he's all over the yeah. Midwest now. Um, but uh, but yeah, we had a good tag division. But yes. I would agree with you, Hoodie. Like, if I was telling, if I was hearing what you heard from me back then, I'd think, like, oh, he just doesn't want me. He's an a hole or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, like, what? Well, look, I didn't even know this thing was going to really happen. It was just a weird, as we've gone over it before here, but it's just getting a call from a lawyer and then talking and some guy named Major. And then I talked <laughs> with him and all the whole way NWL started. It was just, uh, I, I thought it was like a fantasy too. And in fact, like, I kept telling this guy, Major, Hey, you probably shouldn't do this if you want to make money. And he, but he can proceed, you know, he proceeded forward, thank goodness. But, um, but yeah, so I, I understand why you felt that way. Now, Dak Draper, and why you're getting information from him, obviously, for those that don't know, is that Dak was one of the early guys that we were offering a full time deal to as far as just a full time wrestler that was going to get the benefits and like the housing and all that stuff that we're here in Kansas City. Now, Dak, you know, we'll have him on here at some point, but just in short, he was a guy that had some NXT experience, had some, uh, you know, more of a mainstream experience, which helped. And you could tell that Dak really wanted to, um, you know, uh, I think he I think he was young and he'd probably call himself immature back in the NXT days. So this was like another chance for him to be like the, a, a top guy and then something that was bigger than your local indie. And uh, he, you know, he obviously took the ball and ran with it. And I'm sure he told you about this and you were probably like, Goff, what the hell? You know, because I hadn't said anything <laughs> to you. I'm sure. Well, yeah, I mean, the the attitude was always kind of like, it was almost exactly what you said. Anytime I talked to you, you kind of were always like, hey, man, I don't even know if this is real at this point. Like, that was kind of the early um, feedback I was getting back from you. But once you guys started talking to Dak, that's where it was kind of like, okay, this feels like it's like something that's real. And, I, and you know, you didn't kayfabe me forever. I, I think at one point I just, you know, we talked again and you were like, yeah. You know, it looks like we're going to be able to bring in other people from, you know, out of state. We'll have people that are in state that are part timers. And um, that's how we came in uh, to start with. We were part timers. Now, did you I forget, were you on the uh, did you get uh, so I, there were so many guys and I'm pretty sure you were in there from the beginning with all this. But did we, we had the call. Where mm -hmm. we would tie, and I remember that we had the call, and who was on that call? It was me, and was Travis on that? Who was yeah, on that? yeah, Travis was on it too, and was was Major ever on any of the calls? He was, he was yeah. in and out of those. It was mainly me, Travis, and Major for Kansas City, and then Matt Jackson got involved more in the St. Louis crowd. But yeah, I I, yeah, I was it, curious, yeah, how that went. It could have been Major, honestly. I think I think for the majority, it was me and uh, it was you and Travis that like did most of the talking. But I I distinctly remember there being a third person so i feel yeah. like it probably was major but yeah i mean we were we were told i believe you told me pretty early on that we were going to get to do like a totally new character we you know mm -hmm. do something totally different and that was like really exciting for me and that that was something that was i mean I had never really even considered changing my character or anything, but, you know, with everything that I had already done in Kansas city with playing around with different things and kind of like messing with my character anyway, it was exciting to, you know, maybe get to do something a little different. And, uh, 
I remember we came with the idea of being, um, we came with a few ideas. So the first, the, the first major idea I remember having was, no pun intended, was I wanted to be like, like basically a Mexican version of the Briscoes. I wanted to be like a, like cartel related, um, kind of like, you know, grew up on a family farm mm -hmm. type of characters that we were just like these like killers. And, um, there was, there was this element of, you know, kind of like a cartel gangster thing, but also, you know, very like backwoods type, uh, DIY type of feel. I don't know. Um, well, let's, let's stop for a second, because yeah. one thing that you have in your favor is that you're racially ambiguous. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I don't really like Hoodie can be like he could be he could be Hispanic. He could be yep. Samoan. He could be right. white. Like, so he was like, uh, but and and it was it worked so well with like any angle we went with with him because he knew how to play it tough. He knew not to be. He knew how to be funny, whatever. So um, and Anaya was a little bit different. Anaya was actually like that guy's Hispanic. Yeah, like for me, like he <laughs> for he sure. looks like completely Hispanic. You know, right? Yeah, he does. He does. So so you you come with that idea and like what what you're describing, obviously to those who hadn't listened to uh, any of the shows before now, is that. Uh, we had these conference calls that we would have with all the incoming wrestlers that we wanted to use and basically have a conversation with them about what they wanted to be in the NWL as far as the gimmick, as far as their name, because as we said before, Major Basden wanted to copyright all the intellectual property rights to characters and names, uh, which I thought was a, I mean, on the, on the indie level was a brand new cool idea and it never really been done before to my knowledge. And, um, you know, but as you know, uh, hoodie that like some people hated that <laughs> some people yeah. thought that was a uh, diminish their cred on the indie scene. It wasn't going to help them at all in other bookings. Uh, cause you were in that at the beginning hoodie, you were not a full-timer. You were a, you were in the part-time thing where you could have, you know, you, the part-timers had more of a thing where they were like, Hey, like, why would I be, you know, Joe Smith here when I'm, you know, something else everywhere else? This hurts my bookings. Right. Uh, and but you never had that because I think you saw the big picture, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And it, it honestly it was just exciting. The whole thing was exciting. So, um, yeah, I never I mean, I, I guess I kind of understand the the viewpoint of some of those people that didn't want to change their names and stuff. And granted where I came from, Colorado is like an Island amongst itself. Like there's really, it's hard to get bookings in other places when you're in Colorado. It really is. You're far just, away from everywhere. It's far from everything. Like, um, you know, Utah is far, Kansas city is far. It's, it, you know, it's a, it's a trek. So, um, it really didn't matter if I was the left coast gorillas and, you know, in NWL that, didn't matter to me so um yeah so when we were kind of pitching these characters um one of the frames of reference that i had for the for who we like aesthetically should look like are the cousins from the show breaking bad and i remember when you're pitching like things to people uh i don't know if it's just because people are like writing stuff down but i remember there being like silence on the phone when we were kind of pitching like you know, just these different ideas and stuff until I said the cousins from Breaking Bad. And I think it was Travis who, who like was like, Oh my God, I love that show. And he knew the names of the cousins that are in Breaking Bad, which are Marco and Lionel, Lionel, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's how we got those names, which 
I immediately knew that I wasn't going to be able to be Marco, <laughs> that Anaya was going <laughs> to, he was going to call that one. So I got stuck with Lionel. So, yeah. so when you're talking about the difference between the left coast gorillas, which is what you were wrestling in Colorado as, and then getting, uh, you know, this opportunity with the NWL and pitching these different ideas, was there going to be a difference in your mind between obviously just not just a name of left coast gorillas to this new gimmick, but you also wanted, was there going to be a, an attitudinal, attitudinal switch <laughs> between the two? Like were you yeah. say so you the left coast grills weren't killers weren't anything like that but there was definitely going to be that edge in the in the howlets yeah so we were doing more almost like a comedy okay as the left coast grills not still you know still like dangerous in a sense that we sure. were competent wrestler wrestlers but like our whole presentation was comedy like we were it was almost like a buddy comedy type of a tag team where um, Anaya was very like loose and kind of like silly and i tried yeah. to play the straight man and we argued all the time but we had this element where we were brothers so you know if you came for us like we were still gonna fight you but you know the whole the Got whole it. gimmick was was very comedy uh based where the where the howlets the idea was that we were coming in as like stone cold like killers that at least in my mind that's what um what i wanted to do and yeah i mean we kind of got the it sounded like, you know, you guys liked the idea. I do remember we wanted to be brothers, but you guys already had the Regals and then you had uh, the Blood Brothers. So you guys uh, had us be cousins. Um, <laughs> and that's so we ended up being cousins for NWL. Hey, don't forget the Mancinis. They were also uh, yes. brothers. <laughs> yes. The Mancinis uh, there's well. a lot of brothers. The King around. Brothers. Um <laughs> So what? So how did how did the name Hallett's come up about? Yeah. I remember talking about Hallett, but I don't remember who. Did you throw that out? Yeah, I um I happen to be I'm kind of a comic book nerd, and I happen to be reading an origin comic book for Wolverine, the character Wolverine, and his last name is Hallett, and that was like, mm. I feel like that was only as like stupid as this is to say now that was almost like kind of comic book nerd insider information at the time. It wasn't like you, you watch the Logan movie now and you know what his last name is. But back then we were kind of, it was kind of like a, a very subtle nod to like, you know, our comic book nerdism. Which is obviously very rampant in professional wrestling. So <laughs> right. it's like, exactly. it goes hand in hand. Exactly. Um, <laughs> did you get, were you one of the lucky ones that got uh, like uh, shiny new gear? We got new gear. I wouldn't call it shiny. Did you get stagecoach <laughs> boots? We did not get stagecoach boots. Oh man, we you, got, you, you missed out. We did get. I, I will say this: uh, we our gear was kind of like very standard. It was like blue and yellow, um, kind of like a navy blue, black and yellow, very um, generic looking. But we did get these awesome, um, like leather jackets because oh, yeah, I don't. I don't I don't know where this part came from or where this element came from, but it was something that was thrown in a little later. I think um, we decided instead of us being like cartel members or something like that, like they ended up making us like a motorcycle gang, basically like a, like a motorcycle club, um, like sons of anarchy. Now 
I've never been on a motorcycle in my life and neither <laughs> has neither has uh Anaya, but you know, we we looked cool. The the leather, the leather jackets with like our emblem on the back and we had like vice president and president and that was kind of like a key element to our to our gimmick was we were like a motorcycle club. Oh yeah. No, those 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 jackets are very memorable and those probably cost at least a thousand dollars each, knowing <laughs> yeah. who was buying them at the time. Right. Yeah, so we didn't get stagecoach boots, which I'm a little mad about because it's not oh, like I can walk around with those jackets anymore. But <laughs> I talked to I talked to like Ace and all you know, we goof around all the time about like, oh, you didn't get those stagecoach boots, man. Like like man. all the people that came like a little bit later. <laughs> I was like uh, you know, for, for those who don't know, like the first group of people in the NWL, we had a budget to buy them gear and sort of like gimmicky stuff for them to walk out with if it fit their character. And like stagecoach boots are one of the top boot makers in professional wrestling. And like most independent uh, independent wrestlers don't have those. So yeah. um, right. <laughs> a lot of people were having some really nice gear, probably best gear they've ever had in their life. And uh, that was all courtesies uh, of NWL. So absolutely. Uh, but uh, so you start coming in, man, and uh, you were you were on the uh, you know. Do you remember that that road schedule? You know, do, what was your schedule? Because I mean, every time you're coming in and you're not living in Kansas City yet at the time, you are driving what nine hours each way. Yeah. So you came in for double shots, or what was your schedule like then? It was. Um... It was every two weeks. I remember we were we were basically out in, in KC every two weeks. So we were there for every Kansas City show because you guys were doing like one in Kansas City and one in St. Louis at this time, I believe. So we were there for every KC show. So we just hit the road every every single <laughs> every two weeks. And uh, I think in the back of our minds, we we just that can be kind of rough especially you know when you got like other things going on outside we're still wrestling for other places we both still had like jobs you know it was still it was a uh, it was hard for us to hit the road every two weeks but um i think in the back of our minds we wanted to we wanted to i i remember the first time we we came to nwl it was like this crazy um it was like this crazy presentation. There was this like video wall and there was, you know, custom entrance music and everybody like had their, had these new gimmicks and everybody, you know, it was just like this amazing presentation. But I do remember feeling like I was a little lost in the shuffle of part-timers. Like there was a clear division or a cl at least in my mind, there was a clear, like, okay, these are the top guys and the rest of us are just kind of there, you know, just kind of there and we'll see who, you know, makes a impression, I guess. And I think in our mind, that was always what we wanted to do. We wanted to like stand out amongst the people that we were, you know, kind of with. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. I mean, like we were just trying to get, I mean, we were just getting situated and of course, uh, whether it was right or wrong, um, you know, the company's sort of mantra going forward was that, you're, you're building around the full timers and sort yeah, of uh, everyone else is going to be sort of uh, accompanying them at first. But, you know, as time went on and these guys try to get these guys over and try to get other people mixed in, it was going to change. But for those that didn't really look long term at it, they were probably sort of felt like it was going to be, you know, like they were going to be low card when they've been, you know, top of the card other places or whatever, which it wasn't a it wasn't an insult to anybody it was just purely how the economics were playing out and what was going on with how he was putting this roster together with me or whatever um, yeah 
And but, that didn't take that didn't take long either. It's not like I was, no. you know, it, I wasn't like on this like irrelevant, you know, <laughs> wave for too long. I think we had like a couple of matches and then we started in with the stuff with the Regal twins, which was like, you know, I mean, that was a that was a pretty marquee position that we were in. So it didn't take long. But um, I just knew in the back of my mind that like if I ever got an opportunity to do this full time, and I think I said this to you like several times, God, like when we were, <laughs> when we were part-timers, like if I, if there's ever an opportunity at all, like I want to be a part of this and I wanted to do it full time. What, what was that? So you had, you had worked with rock, <clears throat> excuse me, Rocky mountain pro was around at the time. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I don't know if it still is, but um, yes. uh, Vince Russo was writing for them at that time. So uh, you, what well, you, so you had, so you had a taste of, of like, quote unquote, like potentials of wrestling shows because of his name and all this kind of stuff. What made it different for the NWL? What was the, what was the long-term vision that you saw knowing that independent wrestling companies come and go? What, what was it about the NWL that you saw that was like, man, this could be around for, for a, a long period of time. I think it really was that core group. Like when, you know, it, I think it's really important anytime you're looking at like a wrestling company, like who are they investing? Who are they investing in? Who are they really putting time into? Um, you know, when we started, it was Moonshine, or I'm sorry, it was Maverick. It was Dak Draper. You know, it was um, Blaine Meeks. You know, there, uh, there was just the, there was this core group of full timers, you know, the Regal twins, there was this core group and it was like, Hey, these are all like young guys that all are all talented, but they're all kind of like, they're still breaking through. You know what I mean? They're not like national household names or anything. And I think that that was, that was kind of important to me was to see that like you guys were investing in like young talent, like, and it didn't really matter that they weren't bringing like a huge audience with them. It was like, okay, like we understand that we're going to have to build this ourselves and we're going to do it with these young, like talented guys. So I think that that was, that was something that immediately struck me and not to say, you know, like Vince was kind of in Rocky mountain pro Vince, you know, Vince came in with the same um, mindset. I think he approaches all of his, all of his stuff with he, he, he writes storylines, he gives them to people and that's kind of it where I think at NWL is a little bit more collaborative than that. It felt a little bit, you know, I got to, I got to basically make my own character. I got to do my own thing. I, I got handed kind of the keys to my own future that, mm. you know, at NWL is like, Hey, like we're going to give you all of this opportunity. We're going to give you new gear. We're going to give you an entrance video. We're going to give you music. We're going to give you a character that you created. Like, here's the keys, man. What, what can you do with it? And it was kind of like, all right, like, let's go. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, and that's how I was at Metro pro too. You know, that's uh, I just always felt that the, the wrestlers are so much more engaged in it. If they have say, and I understand that's not always, like, I say that and a lot of people like will bury Tony Khan for doing that all the time in AEW. But I think you there's there's limits to it, of course. Uh, but, you know, you might have to go in with the direction. But, you know, hey, you know, Howlitz, we want you to be this. But, you know, 
everything under the sun within the parameters of this direction you can do. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's, and what I was going to say uh, to what you were talking about earlier, Hoodie, is that, yes, you did mention to me multiple times that you wanted to come on full time, but I looked at that as like, you were super engaged and hungry and wanting to be involved in it, which I totally understood. And obviously if I had, uh, you know, uh, full-time jobs for everyone that I enjoyed in that company. I would have we, major would have gone right. down way quicker. No, it would have. Uh, <laughs> my my point being is like if I could have given like you know Wyatt had an opportunity, but he had another career already, and Strider already had another job. You know, there's other people that I mean, if it was a full blown you know huge company that I and Hoodie being one of those guys, not and and I just knew Hoodie better than Anaya at the time. Um, but hoodie was, uh, always super hungry about it. And I could tell he was, yeah, he was like, not angry, but he was, uh, he was like bummed in, in a good way that was going to help sort of get himself like hyped up to like work on it, to become, you know, what he eventually got, which is a full-time job, but, uh, he wanted to be involved in that. And I feel like he had the, uh, you know, the, the ammo that he needed to like actually, you know, get, to where he was going because he was so involved in it. And for a guy that was like hours away and you know, this Gabe and hoodie knows this too. It's like, you could easily tell who on that roster in the locker room wanted to be there and who was like, I am freaking all in. I mean, this is so cool. I mean, it was like a dividing line. Half, more than half the staff was like, this, this is like unbelievable. I'm going to do this as long as I can. Great. I mean, you have Eddie Kingston coming in. You got all these guys thinking like, I might move to the Midwest to be a part of this. Cause that's what, how cool it was. But then you had other guys that I, what well, I just call them small minded. They just didn't really, I mean, they were just like wrapped up in their own stuff and they really couldn't see the forest through the trees. So, I mean, that's, that's what it was really immaturity, whatever you want to call it. Was part hoodie was part of your attraction to the NWL. Sorry to put Chris on the spot, but you're hoodie. You're a very loyal guy. I mean, that's what I've gotten to know from you over these last few years. Was part of it golf? Was it the fact that golf ran such a tight ship at Metro Pro, and you knew he wouldn't let you down, and he and you kind of knew that he believed in you too, as far as a performer. Yeah, absolutely. There, yeah. One thing about golf, and you know. One thing about Goff was he always kept it very real with me, like at, at Metro or anywhere else. Like he was always, he would always be like, Hey man, like it's not worth your time to come down here for this amount of money. Yeah. And like for a promoter to tell you that, like that, that always like resonated with me. So like Goff was always a straight shooter with me and he, he was always kind of uh he was brutally honest with me at all times. And uh, so, Goff? yeah, that was, I, we're talking about Chris Goff <laughs> being brutally yes. honest. Hey, I was yes. um, just being, don't... I'm being real. Okay. Yes. That's, that's better. If, if you don't know, if you don't know this about Chris Goff, he's <laughs> brutally honest, but uh, no, he, he'd always been like that with me. So I knew yeah. that, you know, I knew that when the opportunity came up, it was a good opportunity. I knew that, you know, I remember when like the full-time thing came along, like I remember we had a conversation then too, like, Hey man, like I'm going to move myself down there. Like I'm leaving everything I know to like come down there. Like, and I, I don't think I would have been as trusting if it weren't for, you know, Goff being there. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, look, that's how I, and that's how I was putting the roster together is dudes that I trusted because this is like a unique opportunity that I didn't want to put in the hands of a bunch of morons. I didn't know, you know, like yeah. I wanted, I wanted the morons I did know. 
No, but I, uh, no, but like I, it was just, it was fun to have the guys around that made, you know, I mean, really when, when major started this, it was pretty simple. It's like, we're doing really well with Metro pro. Like, you know, I really thought it was going to be Metro pro. We kept saying it's Metro pro and steroids. We kept saying stuff like that. And that's what it was. I mean, if like we had a, a good roster and, you know, most of them came over and uh hoodie was one of them and it just you know it worked out and like i'm really glad that he was able to start and then let's talk about how you eventually got to the full-time there hoodie because you and anaya as you mentioned the tag matches with the regals and howlets were uh you know like it was our version of tlc stuff you know it was our version of edging christian and the hardys and and the dudleys and like we had we had multiple tag teams that were very good in this in this as well. But, you know, the Regals and Howlett stood out. And, uh, you know, I still get messages from the Regal twins telling me how <laughs> their body still hurts from everything they went through and everything. Uh, you know, and there was, there was tears shed and blood shed and all that stuff uh, in your matches, which, I mean, to be honest with you, I, you guys were going above and beyond what I thought you should be doing, but you guys were so amped and were so into it that you did that. And, you know, um, I, I don't know, I feel sort of guilty about some of that stuff, but you guys obviously are one of the most memorable, memorable things that happened during that run. Yeah. yeah I mean, for us, man, like we had never met the Regals prior to the NWL. Like I know that they had been a part of Metro, but we had never, cross paths and uh it was just kind of one of those things like we i think we our first match at nwl was against the union and then i think Mm -hmm. like maybe we had one more match after that and then not only were you guys like hey you guys are gonna do this program with the regals like we we saw it both teams saw it like we you know we'd be tearing down the i remember tearing down the ring um after a show and we were just kind of talking to them and there was just this instant like hey like we could really do something special with these guys and everybody felt it. And so, um, yeah, I remember when we were going into the program with them, it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to give you guys these matches. You guys were giving us like vignettes. We were doing like all kinds of, we like lit their gear on fire. I remember like we had a bunch of their merch and we like lit their merch on fire. And then there was like another one where we like chained one of them up like they came out for their matches and only one of the twins was out there. And we had the other one like chained up to a wall backstage and we just did all this really cool stuff. So that that's the stuff that I'm like in pro wrestling for. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a like, Hey, I'm going to go out here and do like all these moves. Like I really want I'm invested in the story. So it was really exciting to be able to not only tell a story, but also tell the story with a backing of, nwl that had this money that could actually like invest money and time into telling a cool story and i think that that's why those matches hold up is because yeah we did a lot of crazy stuff but i don't know that we would have done all that if it weren't for all of us just believing in the in the story and believing in what we were doing um and it like you know kind of sealed our our friendship forever. Like we're still really good friends with those dudes. And it's because of those matches that we had. It was, it was a great time. There was a, there was a a bunch of storylines that I think what set NWL apart and hoodie, I think you'd probably agree with me is that there was a bunch of storylines going on that were really, really super interesting that had these arcs and these ebbs and these flows had. So, you know, you had, um, 
you know, one of the storylines at the time was Thor, Terrio, <laughs> uh, and Michael Strider, you guys in the Regals, you know, Jack Foster doing like, is he, is he one side? Is he the other? Um, and I, I looked at you guys and I think me and you talked about this. I think that had the NWL survived, the Regal twins and the, and the Howlets would have been one of those stories we could have always gone back to the well for, because there was that innate chemistry between the two teams. And it's funny because you guys are such a juxtaposition over each other. Um, what, so tell me what, what in your mind was like the linchpin or, or something that really held that feud together? Was it the in-ring chemistry? Was it the promos that you were able to uh, cut on those guys? What, what was it about that feud? I don't, yeah, I don't know that there's like one thing. I think it was kind of, it was kind of right time, right place. I think we were all just kind of in hungry. We were all hungry and we were all in this like moment of, Hey, like we're in this new company and you know, they were full timers, but they still showed us like the respect of like, Hey, like we can really, we can really like tell a good story with these guys. They didn't, they never had any, any kind of um, elitism with us or anything like that. It was really just like a collaborative effort. And then once we got in the ring that first time, it was like, Oh, like this is definitely going to work. You can, you can have all that story and all that stuff, but if you get in the ring with somebody and you just <laughs> don't gel with them at all, it, it's going to, it's going to um, stop pretty quickly. But we were so excited after that first match. I remember we all were in the back, just like, I mean, having like a follow that moment. I mean, we, we really, the four of us were in the back, just like very hyped about what we just did. And we realized that like, this was something that we were going to be able to like ride with for a long time. And and we ended up doing it. And it, yeah, I mean, it was just, I, I really don't want to use the cliche of like magic or whatever, but like, it really felt just right. All of yeah. everything, just like everything just fell into place. Yeah, I mean, it it was, and it's one of the most memorable things that will ever be in the NWL, obviously, at this point. But uh, if anyone has a chance out there on YouTube, uh, what is it, NWLX, Gabe? Is that yeah, it? Yeah, the channel name is NWLX. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's the Hoodies versus Royal Blood, and, I mean, they had multiple matches, and they're all very good. Um, so, Hoodie, when we, when we talked to uh, you about, you know, obviously part-time and went through the whole rigmarole of joining the company, but what uh, – Tell me what you remember about being offered a job to join the staff because, you know, you had uh, some chops um, like you. I don't know how at the time. I don't necessarily know if you had a lot of experience, but you had some experience video editing and you were more interested in like, I mean, at that point you were going to do like you were willing to do whatever and learn whatever. You probably lied and just had like some kind of like cheap <laughs> version of uh, Premiere on your computer. And you're just like, I need to learn a couple things. No, um, but you uh, you join and. uh you know, not only are you going to be a, a full-time member of the company, but you're going to be a wrestler and a guy that works backstage with, you know, online stuff, helping with vignettes, helping with video editing, all that stuff. Um, how did that come about? Tell me your story from that side. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember just being in your ear all the time. Like if there's an opportunity, please let me know. If there's an opportunity, please let me know. And I do remember, I don't know if this had anything to do with it, but I remember when we were going to debut for, NWL I had this idea of like filming a vignette at 
in Colorado and editing it and just sending it to you guys so you guys could use it on TV or whatever you were going to do. Um, but yeah, I had some experience editing. I went to, I went to school for post-production. Um, and then I ended up, I was working in a hospital for like a really long time, just doing like advertising stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I had some experience with like video editing and I, I think major was the one that I, I, I think we set up a call with major because you knew that I had some experience with video editing. Um, I did like a little test run that ended up getting sent to Josh Leo. Um, he approved it or whatever. And then I, yeah. And then I talked to, and then I talked to major and yet to be honest, like I remember being very nervous about whether or not I was going to be able to do this. Cause it sounded like what you guys needed was like, you know, editing the actual wrestling shows. My, my first impression of what my job was going to be was editing St. Louis wrestling TV, editing vignettes, doing like entrance videos, all that kind of stuff. So um, I was definitely nervous because it was outside the realm of anything that I had really done before. But like you said, I was, I was going to, I was going to learn. So um, I sent off, I think I edited a match and I sent that off and then maybe I did something else like a reel or something and uh ended up talking to major and he said hey uh yeah this is good can you be out here in a month and yeah i packed up my stuff and moved to kansas city and like every wrestler <laughs> i've ever met they can fit everything they have in their car and go anywhere absolutely. they want at any time absolutely. Uh, uh, absolutely. well hey you you you're sitting there describing like uh your job like like you know going through the process of like your demo reel and like having to send it in and stuff i mean give it what's your impression of like coming to this company and like you have it's it's like daily meetings it's like it's like a corporation with a bunch of independent wrestling people and me and travis bowden and matt jackson and here's gabe and like marty it's like a circus in like a corporate environment it's funny right dude it could not have been any different than it couldn't it couldn't have been any like more strange to me like it was just so it was like stepping into a different world or a different like universe almost like it was insane because it was like the, even, even, even the like level of professionalism that like Rocky mountain pro had, I would say was above like a lot of other Indies, but this was like, dude, you guys had like a downtown office. I remember I came (laughs) the weekend before I ended up, I started on a Monday. And so I like moved all my stuff on like, friday so i could spend the weekend just getting to know kansas city and stuff Mm -hmm. and i remember we stopped by the office on like that saturday or something and major was there and i like walked through the office in this downtown building it's like i know it wasn't but it like in my mind it was at the top floor you know what i mean like it was pretty close the elevator doors open and there's just like this crazy view and like you know glass walls and just it was just like what in the hell am I? What is happening right now? It, it was just like a you're crazy into like a modern architect company or something. Yeah, like, yeah it was. I, it was wild, man. It was just, and you know, just major being like a legit like businessman, and you know, he has this like aura of him, like like oh, you like 
you really are like a very important person. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just like a fat guy, you know, in a, in a, in a shirt that was like three times too small for him, like smoking by a ring. It was like, Oh, this dude is a legitimate, like businessman. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't, it was just completely different from anything I had experienced before. I agree. I mean, the, the level, I mean, even like, you know, I had been to WWF. And so obviously that's the height of like professionalism in wrestling, because it's like that thing is just fleshed out to such a corporate degree that it's amazing. But to say that major and the NWL uh, on the indie level was like a mini WWE is not far off from the way that he was running it. And I'm always amazed that when I tell stories about the NWL, I'm like, man, he ran this like it was a Fortune 500 company. And he had all intentions of it becoming one. He knew he was going to go into the red the first year or so. He knew he was going to lose money going into it. But he had, I mean, I, you know, like I said before, I, I told him a million times, like, dude, indie wrestling is not what you're going to make money in. You should not do this. I'm just I'm just being honest. I know you can give me a salary and I could lie to you, but I'm brutally honest. I'm just telling you, uh, <laughs> this is not where you want to put your money. But he just, like, smiled and you know, did his vape and uh, moved on and went down the road and did everything he did. And yeah, that he was, I mean, sure. Looking back, I mean, there were some uh, luxurious things that probably we shouldn't have had, you know, like he had the TPC, we had a performance center, uh, like, you know, a few miles away, whatever, by five miles by air, maybe. And then, uh, then the downtown, you know, building. And I was like, I, I mean, one day I had to take a rent check over and I won't say how much it was, but I was like, he said, Hey man, this is due today or whatever. I'm like, good Lord. And what are you paying? And then what's the other building? This is just for both buildings, right? Oh, it's just one. And it was just amazing. Was it for the TPC golf? No, this one was for the actual. Uh, oh, okay. Cause I know how much the TPC costs and that was a lot of money. No, oh, they were comparable. Yeah. They were the same. Yeah. Basically. Oh, okay. yeah. If you can, if you can imagine like parking. Okay. So like my life as a pro wrestler up to this point is is grabbing my little wheelie bag, putting on a pair of basketball shorts and like a, you know, dirty t-shirt and showing up to a venue that like probably has like dirt and horse manure and whatever, you know, it's like a basketball gym or whatever it is. And like you wrestle, you get handed an envelope, you get back in your car, you drive another you know nine hours, like contrast that with like parking in a private, like, parking lot walking across the street you're like walking into a building with like definitely like businessmen people that own companies and you know getting in in an elevator and going upstairs you got like you know i'm wearing like khaki i remember on my first day i I, like dressed up because like what you know why wouldn't i (laughs) i dress i mean that sort of got lax later but major was big on dressing up he was Yeah. yeah i remember i wore i wore like slacks and like tucked in my shirt i don't know if i wore a tie or not but i uh definitely dressed up and it was just just such a it's it's crazy even think about now the just the complete contrast between (laughs) what wrestling was to me up to this point and what it became and yeah i mean it's just (laughs) crazy Chris, was Hoodie the first hire that was wrestler and office at the same time outside of like Derek Stone and all that kind of stuff? Was he the, was he the, like the first like kickoff? Was he before Thor? I think I was like right after Thor. 
Okay. It, it okay. was like, so, you know, the, the four people that I can say sort of went into that category that were wrestler and worker. Cause obviously Marty was full time and she ended up wrestling later. Marty later, Bell. Yeah. And then uh, Thor came on as a, a graphics designer because Brian Burke had been there and Brian Burke started the company and he did, he did fine. Like from the beginning, he had no experience in wrestling. I mean, you know, to, Look, I have a lot of sympathy for people that come off the street or any other company and try to like be thrown into pro wrestling and know what the hell you're doing running. I mean, it's like it's it's just so different. You're dealing with like a whole group of subset of people and like situations that they've never dealt with in any other, you know, any other tech company major may have been involved in. So I, I get that. But I also um, so Thor came along because he had a little bit more wrestling mind for design. And he did both. And then Hoodie came on and did the video editing and wrestle. And then uh, Jake Durden did some video editing later, too. And he was a full-timer as well. So those four, actually, they, they sort of the hybrid position people. You know, you you both sort of saw it from different perspectives. As this company continued on, uh, some of the early people that were in the office, and it just reminds me, going back to when Major said, what we're, we're going to start a goal right now. We're going to have a vision of what we want to do. And like six months from now, we'll figure out how we're actually making money, and we'll go down that route, and it's going to change everything we have for a goal for the next five years. So I'm just letting you know that's how it's going to work. And I'm like, okay. And that's basically what happened. I mean, we got we, – we, we sort of cleaned house with half the staff that was in the office and uh, got rearranged. And then it became like, yeah, uh, you know, he still was on board with wanting to make money, but he wanted to get people like Hoodie who could come on and actually do multiple jobs and not just one one job you know like it, and the, it reminds me of how ecw was you're the old stories of like you know bubba ray dudley's putting up posters and taking calls and booking booking events and you know getting venues and blah 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 and that's sort of what we became at that point yeah and i think that that's probably what makes it so unique you know even with a guy like dak draper who you know has been signed to at this point like a lot of different wrestling companies i think it's his, been his only job up to this point is wrestling so um but i think that's what makes it unique is that there was this element of kind of like you said chris like a mini wwe professionalism but also this like this very like uh grassroots like we need to build this ourselves type of mentality which was it was very unique and it turned into that it turned into that as we went on obviously that wasn't exactly how it was when we first started Uh, you know, there was a lot of people working there that um, were helping get it off the ground. But as the thing grew, obviously, it's it went in a different direction. But, um, you know, what were some of your memories before we get to the eventual saying bye bye of the company? <laughs> what what was your uh, what are some of your favorite memories of uh, of NWL working there? I mean, th- the wrestling stuff is you can compare a lot of times to other companies you've been in for whatever. But what was uh, what was some of your favorite things or things you remember about the actual the office? Yeah, I was going to say, say, brother, <laughs> I could say, I mean, I could talk forever about like the year that I spent there. I mean, it was just so much fun, but a lot it was it was a lot of fun for me because I got to be a wrestler and I got to be like a, a member of the, I don't know, corporate team or whatever you want to call it. Sure. I got to, you know, I got to have this camaraderie with literally everybody that worked in the company. Um, and it was fun to be able to mesh that mesh those two things together. Like I think I brought an energy into the office that um, 
I think only a wrestler could bring into the office. Um, Marty obviously was there too, but um, I think her and I like played off of each other a lot. And then Thor came the in. So it was the just, uh, just best. such a good time. We, we had so much fun. Just, I was constantly tormenting Josh Leo. <laughs> um, <laughs> we had a, we just had a lot of fun. Um, it was, it was, it, it didn't feel like going to work. And that Never. was, that was Never. the that was the best part about being at NWL. It was like I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. Even if you took the wrestling out of it, like yeah. just getting to go to the office and you know edit wrestling all day long, and hearing Chris Goff come in and talk about some thing that pissed him off on Monday night. Hell yeah! <laughs> was nine, one of my, the was nine a.m. promo, dude. Oh, the nine a.m. promo was amazing. It was just every all of that was amazing, and then you know, to sprinkle on top of that, like I really developed as a pro wrestler during that time. I, if you, if you go back to when we were just trying to kind of like make a name for ourselves, so to speak, you know, in that match against the union Mm -hmm. in our mind, in our minds, we were like, we can, we can like make an impact here. And, you know, you fast forward to these like landmarks, like getting to wrestle Jimmy Jacobs when really like you guys didn't, if you go back and kind of look at the timeline of everything and like where I was on the card and all that, you guys didn't need to give me that match, but I felt like you gave it to me as an opportunity and I capitalized on the opportunity. Same thing with Eddie Kingston and just all these little moments that I got um, really helped me develop as a wrestler as well. So my time in NWL, we've anybody that's been a part of it, we all say the same thing. It's just something that like we'll never forget. Mm-hmm. And it's because I, I loved my time there. Like it was, it was the best. I mean, it was the best thing, the best thing that had happened to me up to that point. And honestly, everything that's come after in my life now, like the way I'm living my life, my job, um, you know, my wrestling career, all that stuff, I owe it to my time at NWL. And that's not, that's not me just saying that. That's real. I really No, I do. mean, you moved here. You live here now. You had you've had a cool job with Tech Nine for a while. Now you're doing more yeah. video editing. It's like uh, you know, like I will let oh, you know man. I still cut a uh promo every day. My wife <laughs> hey, my wife doesn't somehow doesn't like it as much as the wrestlers because she gets sick of it. But um you know, one thing that made me laugh uh when you were talking about that is <laughs> dude michael strider who we all know and love who you work for now at central states wrestling here in kansas city um his dream job was working at the nwl i mean it doesn't matter what else he does in life he loved the nwl for the same reason you said he got to work in wrestling full-time and he never thought he's gonna have the opportunity and i never thought i was gonna have the opportunity again and it was amazing i did but uh but when it when it was down, like he he just it, it just crushed his balloon. <laughs> it just he was so devastated when it went away, and he he just looks at that with the same kind of uh, you know thought that you do, which was I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this, you know, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's and that's that's how everyone felt there. I mean, it was um, you know people don't really you know like creative environments like that. I've really been uh, able to have several of those. And um, each time it's like you say, uh, we were all, I mean, I wasn't, I was really wasn't that young, I guess, but we were uh, like, when I first started, I had it in TV, I had it in wrestling too at WWF. And then there it's like the camaraderie in a creative environment like that, because you don't have like a stuffy cubicle situation. You have the best creative is sort of like, you know, talking to each other, screwing with each other, talking things out, like 
giving shit to each other. I mean, this is what makes the creative stuff work to me. And that's why it was like uh, always a uh, collaborative effort with all this. And because, you know, that's no one, I, you know, no one is smart, whether it's Vince Russo, Brian Gowertz, any of these people, no one can do it by themselves. They can't because it's not, there's too much, you know, there's, there's not, and no one's that good. You know, like Brian Gowertz was, I always think of him. He was a WWF for so long in the writing team. And I was like, Brian is extremely smart and extremely creative, but dude, he's, he was there for, I don't know, over a decade pumping out hours of content. I mean, you can't do that by yourself. Right. And, um, you know, that's how our, our, our place there with Gabe was doing social media stuff and doing the play by play and you doing what you did. Um, yeah, I, we had so many, like that environment, like you said, I pot the video pops up with you and Marty dancing to whatever that Michael oh, Jackson or whatever that was. I forget right. what it was like that video pops up all the time. And it just takes, it makes me smile all the time. Cause it takes me back to that moment. Cause yeah. like that crap was happening on the daily. Oh, so dude, yeah. it, it just, you know, I, I think also too hoodie and you can probably echo this sentiment when we started paring down a lot and there was that core group of people that went down with the ship towards the end that bond was a lot different than the bond that was formed like when people were first coming in because it was like everybody like i remember you calling thor over or all of us and saying hey guys what do you think of this edit boom 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 and we became like this like like you said we were all going to survive or we were all going to die and it was on each other's backs it was like oh oh yeah let's have this fun game show hey what do you guys think about this you know, and all this kind of, it was like this super collaborative effort that I think like really bonded us even tighter, you know, than if it had ju- just been the normal thing that you had first come into. And, you know, one of the great joys for me um, being like on that production side, so to speak, or TV side was seeing the evolution of your promos because you, I knew you were special because when I first saw you cut a promo at the NWL, I was like, this guy is different because you could have totally, and you didn't, but you could have totally gone in the ring and crapped the bed. But those promos that you were cutting, I could tell that you wanted whatever was happening to be, you know, to be full-time, to be all this. You were so passionate about the NWL and and wanting to create something different. And I think that just really translated to the office and it, and and you did. You brought that 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 fun and everything. So it was I don't know, like you know, me and you haven't seen eye to eye and everything in the years following uh NWL, but the one thing I've always admired about you is how passionate you are about being a professional wrestler and and you know the bonds that we all created in in the office so i mean it was it was the funnest time of my life i'll never have another job like that you know yeah it really was and you mentioned like the promos and you know I, i mentioned like how much i developed as a wrestler and how much i developed as an editor and all that stuff all of that stuff really can just be accredited to the fact that like everybody was trying to do their best like yeah. when you're when you're really in a situation where there is no other option like there's nobody that can just like slack off and ride the ride the you know successes of all the people around them which is you know how many jobs are like that where it's there's always that one guy that doesn't really do anything but he gets by because everybody else is carrying every corporate job yes we didn't we didn't have those people like if you were one of those people you were you were gone so it was like everybody around us was was 
performing to their highest level, whether it was in the ring or backstage, doing interviews, editing, like any of that stuff. It was like, we all have to step up. And I, that's really all I ever wanted was the opportunity to like do that, to be a part of something like that. Um, I do have to say one of my best takeaways from, I don't even know if I can get into the specifics of these, this story, but like one of my best takeaways is that Chris Goff needs a reality show where he's put in very high emotional situations just so you can see how not emotional he can be. It's one of my favorite things about working with Chris Goff is there, there's always been, you know, of course it's pro wrestling and it's a startup. So there's drama everywhere, but Chris Goff is the king of walking into a very highly volatile, highly emotional situation and reacting the most deadpan as humanly possible and it's just one of my favorite things about you chris <laughs> that's sort of a that is a uh, survival <laughs> tactic of just being a dick and like if i really <laughs> want to piss somebody off that's being a jerk and i know who you're referring to and i know what this is about because there's one key example where that happened and it was because <laughs> as always that guy was completely freaking over exaggerating something that he did on the daily too so like I, you know i just Yes, there's things that happen in a thing there that when I've learned through life that if you just chill out and don't freak out at every little thing, you know, like indigestion, you'll live. And I don't need to really say anything. But we had, let's just say to, to people that don't know what's going on, we had a slight possible medical emergency in the office one day, and it, it really wasn't. It was like, uh, I don't know, yeah. like uh, lightheadedness for a few seconds. Yeah. My jaw hurts so Goff, bad, dude. Goff was told to call 911, and Goff's reaction was, you want me to call 911? That's that's where we can leave it. It was, it was People hilarious. don't understand that <laughs> we're on the fifth floor or whatever of a freaking building downtown, so if you call 911, <sighs> you understand what kind of red tape this is going to be involved in. You better make sure your diet. Dude, the way the way you were like Hoodie has said, you were so like (laughs) deadpan and almost like non-reactive that it was. (laughs) It's my favorite. It's my favorite thing about you, Goff. And it wasn't just that one time. There were several instances where you were just like it would be so easy for like an emotional person to fall into the the like the situation, and you were just always just like what what are you doing like it, it was my favorite you, part of, of you have program. well as you know you were around that situation and you've been around indie wrestlers and you're older now because i was older than all you guys so it's like uh when you're in that situation and you grow up you realize usually when people freak out it's really not for any good reason it's like over emotional people and like you know you have to have someone there to be like not freaking out and that was what I brought to the table. So anyway, uh, yeah, there was some, there was some, a lot of, I mean, and especially in wrestling, I mean, come on at any level of wrestling, especially independence, there is a lot of, un, there's a lot of drama cause for absolutely no reason. And that's one thing that I am so glad I'm not around now because there was just like, just, you know, the backfighting and the, 
uh, freaking jealousy and all this other stuff that went on and that kind of stuff. Um, and we had very little of that. Not not with any of the full timers. That that's just something that happens in general in wrestling. Right. But you know, hoodie. I was going to ask you too. What what do you think of the St. Louis thing? So when you came on board, St. Louis was being closed that day. I think you were remarking before we came on. Did you see a difference as a wrestler between the St. Louis uh, boys and the Kansas City boys? I mean, not really. I, I was very unfamiliar with everybody in St. Louis. The only real interaction that I had had with anybody at St. Louis was like the commission um, and maybe a couple of other guys. But I really I didn't really know anybody from St. Louis. So I actually I remember trying to get familiar with the product um, in the weeks leading up to me moving there so I could kind of get an idea of what was going on. And uh, so, yeah, I had I had a I remember I, guys like Mike Outlaw stuck out, um, obviously like Letterman stuck out. Um, you know, there was a couple other people, but um, yeah, when I, the day I moved to Kansas city was my, or I'm not the day I moved, but the day I started with the company was the day that St. Louis closed. And so like, keep in mind, I have this already idea of how flimsy pro wrestling can be. I just moved all of my, you know, not, a ton of stuff because like you said chris it all fit in my car but i moved my life to kansas city and then i'm walking into the building for the first time and i find out that st louis just closed so that was scary but um it ended up working out so uh so, yeah like, yeah you you lived that you both lived like the major based in corporate like swings there were some major things that happened no pun intended again that there's like <laughs> things happening like people are out of the office travis bowden's like let go like uh, half the staff's gone like we're no longer going st louis you know major posted something about st louis that was derogatory like <laughs> stuff that you had to like you know go through i thought some of the what would you think about some of the venues like uh i thought the venues themselves were like the first ones, like Scottish Ride and Casa Loma, awesome to me, like internally, you know. But of right. course, uh, one thing that I always sort of disagreed with was going downtown suburb, you know, downtown urban more than suburbia, because, you know, that's just just the demographics of the wrestling fan are more suburban to me. And, but I but obviously you're not going to get a, a, a building like a Scottish Ride or Casa Loma out, in, you know, Overland Park, really. So um, what do you think about those? Yeah, I mean. The, I mean, the buildings were awesome, especially Scottish Rite. I mean, I was pretty blown away by like just that venue and was kind of like, how did, again, like it was another contrast to like, how are we wrestling in this place? Like this place is huge. You guys are actually like selling tickets to where it doesn't look super empty. Like it's, you know, it was, it was a pretty crazy experience, but I do remember after I got signed on full time, that's when we started trying to do like more shows and like in like Wichita or some of these other places. And I do remember some of those were like, ah, oh, yeah, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we were still doing the big shows at like, you know, Scottish Rite or whatever, sure. but like those little, Topeka. Uh, yeah, Topeka. those little Topeka house shows Topeka. and stuff we were doing were like, oof. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Topeka was one of the worst, I think. <laughs> well, that I, was just like a gym. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. much. There was, it was that. That's all it was. I mean, compared to, you know, anything, Scottish Rite blows it away, but definitely. Uh, yeah. So let's get to the eventual end here, Hoodie, because yeah. like there's been a lot of like uh, a lot of people very upset. And I, they've come around. Some of the people are very upset when this thing closed. But I had heard I had sort of gotten wind a few days before this actually happened. And, you know, 
I didn't obviously told major asked me not to say anything. And at the time, like it was sort of a crapshoot to me, like with major, you never know, <laughs> like, like you never know if this is going to come back you don't know if it's going to be, he'll change his mind in a few days or something happens, or if he's going to like, maybe just say, Hey, let's take a sabbatical and we're coming back or whatever. So um, when he had that call, uh, Marty Bell, uh, you know, she infamously was flying home or what, flying away. <laughs> she didn't, yeah. she wasn't, she wasn't available. So she got to hear it like secondhand, but um, you know, we had ramped up, got the TPC already for the, the, the new show. Um, the Harlem Globetrotters finished the bathroom. Uh, you know, everything was ready to go, but then, uh, but then eventually, you know, we get it major basin comes in and says it's all over like uh so going into that i'm assuming you had a little bit of wondering why the hell we were sitting there but also like what what were your reaction before and after that you know i've I've thought about this so much since it's closed i think i think there was like an element of kind of all of us being in denial i think like if you look back on it retrospectively none of us had really talked to major in a while i remember there being like he was like not around he was mia for, like, for the majority of like right. two or three weeks yeah right for like a while and we were all kind of like what's going on with that but then at the same time we none of us were really worried about it because we you know we had just done all this work on the tpc like we were still moving and like most importantly i think for all of us especially the wrestlers like we were still just doing great business like our 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 attendance was crazy. Our ratings were crazy. Our, the shows were getting better. Like everybody was just outperforming one another. So I think, I think all of those elements kind of led to us being like, ah, there's no, there's nothing to worry about. But, you know, I think if, I think if I could go back in time, I probably would have been a little bit more worried about the fact that we hadn't seen major around in a while. I think that that might've led some of us to think like, okay, like maybe this is it. Um, and then, yeah, the day of all I remember really is all of us being there. And anytime all of us were together, it was always just kind of like a big joke around hour. So I definitely remember the spirits being like high and Chris, you're a pretty hard dude to read anyway, but uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't really remember what, I don't I, I I didn't expect it to close that day. Um yeah. but when Major came in, I could tell that there was something there was something wrong. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean I don't know how many times it's been talked about on the on the on your guys' show or whatever, but I remember him getting choked up and while he was telling us and I and I I remember being very like angry about the whole thing. But again, you know, like retrospectively, I think about what it must've been like for him to tell us all that day. And the fact that he like chose to come in, he didn't choose to have you tell us, Chris, he didn't choose to, you know, tell us over the phone. Like he chose to stand in front of us and like, give us all, uh, you know, uh, FaceTime, you know, essentially, and tell us that, you know, it was closing. And I remember him getting choked up. And I remember, I I think about like how hard that must have been for him, not just as like the owner of the company, but just as a dude, like if you know Major, like imagining him getting like emotional 
is pretty tough. You sure. know, it's pretty, it's pretty tough to think about, but he was emotional in that moment. And I could, you know, I couldn't see it at the time and I'm sure we'll get into how pissed off I was, but um, retrospectively, you know, it, it, uh, it was pretty big of him to come in and like tell us all that day. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you bring up several things there. Like one thing is, uh, he was gone for a couple weeks and, and yes, also in retrospectively looking, uh, that was probably because major does have a heart, you know, like he, yeah. he's actually a pretty nice soft dude, but he has this exterior and like sort of his business like side is, does not ever let anybody see you sweat. So that's sort of how he is. But, you know, when he wasn't around a little bit, I actually during that time had really no idea what was going on, but you know, I, I had seen major sort of behind the scenes more than you guys. And like, he had that side of him. He just wasn't one to really show that in front of his entire staff, but let's talk about being angry. Right. So yeah. I understand like one reason why obviously I didn't want to say anything until it was actually 1000% uh, real was because I had friends like you and Marty and people have like moved their whole life over here and uh, had a job. And like, you know, this is going to affect more than just bookings. This is obviously, you know, going to, I mean, we had Thor was married with kids. Jake Durden's married with kids. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people's lives at stake here. And I know that's why major felt horrible about it. And, um, at the time, I don't blame anyone for being really upset. Uh, and I just, but was I it, know. Was it all of us that moved golf or was it, I'm trying to think of the office staff. Um, well, I mean like the Regals obviously were here. Michael Strider yeah. was here. Lucy was here. Like, you know, there was a lot of people. But there was a good majority been. that had moved and uprooted their life. Yeah. You had come okay. from California. Um, it, what's so funny looking at back at it is how many people stayed in Kansas city. Now Dak's yeah. back. Dak is here. Hoodie's here. Gabe stayed. Marty was here for five years. You know, it's like there's just a lot of people stayed here, but uh, most most were not from here. So of course, Hoodie, I didn't really want. Um, you know, that that's a that is a major thing. That if he's going to say it to you guys, uh, it's it has a lot of implications. So I got talk about you can talk about being angry, and I and obviously this is something that you can look back in hindsight now and see uh, from a different perspective. But at the time, don't blame me at all. No. Yeah. And I, I think that on the surface, like if you were to stick a microphone in my face the day of like, of course, that's all stuff I would have brought up. Like, oh, I like moved here for this. And like, what am I supposed to do now? And all that stuff. But really, really at the core of like my anger. And I think at the core of everybody's anger that day was just how much it sucked that we were losing what we were losing. Like it had nothing to do with like, of course, like I'm going to figure my life out. Of course, everybody's going to land on their feet eventually. Like I think everybody probably had this attitude of like, well, we're screwed. Like I, I know like some of the wrestlers, like some of the some of the boys like felt like that, like, Oh, great. Like, you know, I'm out here by myself. Like, what am I supposed to do now? But I think really at the core of what we were all feeling was just like, we all cared about the NWL so much. And we all felt like it was just, it was right there. Like we were so close to turning the corner. We were so close to like being something that I truly feel like could have been around to this day. Um, Agreed. I just think it was just like, that anger that I felt. And of course, like I'd have to, you know, like you said, I was younger than <laughs> I had to put that on somebody. And of course, major is going to be the guy that I placed that on. But in reality, man, like I, that dude gave me so much opportunity. He gave me like definitely two of the best years of my life. Um, and 
I look back on those days with nothing but, you know, just laughter and, and fun, you know, as, as much as that day sucked and as much as the subsequent like weeks sucked, like we were able to all kind of calm down and realize like, Hey, like we just went through something pretty unique and special together and it's given me lifelong friends. It's given me a career. And even from a wrestling perspective, you know, we talked about before we went on the air, we talked about the, or maybe while we were on the air, I don't know. Um, we talked about the Haku thing. Like I got closure from that. Like that was from doing the Metro show and wrestling Haku. Like that was closure for me. Um, being a kid in 2012, that was just coming to Metro shows with like stars in my eyes, watching Jeremy Wyatt and Michael Strider go at it to like fast forwarding all these years and wrestling a freaking legend in, you know, Metro pro. Like it was just such a full circle thing for me. And if I hadn't, if I hadn't followed, you know, just that, that dream of like coming to NWL and doing this full time. I never would have been able to do that. I never would have been able to work at strange. I never would have been able to like meet my, you know, wife. I've never, I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have anything that I have right now if I hadn't done the NWL. So that was, that's pretty much, I mean, that's pretty much it for me, man. Like I love, I loved my time there. It's funny. That's sort of how Gabe, Gabe's like that too. Gabe loves Kansas City now, and he stays yeah. here for some reason. He likes Kansas City over California. <laughs> yeah, love it. NWL was a it was a great time, man, and it's uh, it's something that we can all always like get together and kind of like talk about the memories and stuff. Oh and yeah, I'm it's... I'm stoked that you guys are doing this podcast because yeah, it gives us all an opportunity to connect with each other that way. Uh, no, it's it's fun. I mean, I could talk NWL all, all day, day with like with like yeah. the like two guys like you or whatever that know everything about it. Uh, you know, of course, it was so it was such a cool pivotal moment in all of our lives. And like, you know, I think about stuff. You know, you you slice it to death. Like, I think, you know, at the end, you're right. I mean, people people, and I've called out some people for saying like they're ridiculous ways that they think nwo went out of business which never were true uh it was doing better business and doing great television ratings and doing all this stuff correctly it was uh it was a combination of major had other business dealings his personal life things that we had we had put ourselves in a hole but which he knew fully well that we were going to as a startup company and he's done this multiple times so that wasn't anything shocking to anybody um and we had turned a corner we were in the black and that was because we had cut a lot of stuff we got rid of the downtown building we got rid of a, a lot of like sort of high paid staff. We got more hybrid staff like you, Hoodie, and other people like that. They could do multiple jobs. Uh, all that stuff was working in our favor. Now, would you want it to be that way forever? It could have been, or we could have had the the way it started, which was like extravagant, you know, which was like something like if you wanted it to work, would have probably never you know, if, if you wanted it, if you wanted it to last forever, the way it started would have never been anywhere near what it would have been, you know, like, right. and it's sort of weird to look at it that way, because, you know, Gabe, to be honest with you, you probably would have never been called to come here from California if we would have had like, um, you know, let's do this really budget conscious. Let's, let's bring right. a guy from California. That's probably right. not going to happen. Right. Right. Um, you know, then all these people ended up living here. Uh, I don't know if it would have worked out any other way. Now, there was some stuff that we've talked about that were you know, where the venues were, how much the venues were, like how, how much some people were getting paid at the beginning. There's some stuff that I look back on and say like, what if, but at the end of the day, I don't know if any wrestling company outside of obviously WWE is meant to stay around for, you know, 
decades and decades you know it's sort of i think it's sort of proven that that's not really the case especially post territory days yeah but um but anyway uh, as we wrap this up i do agree with everything you said hoodie uh it's like in our own uh figurative way our own war battle that we all went together <laughs> in and we all got super close during that time and even if i don't talk to you or the regals or dak or anybody for like years i'll get a message from from maverick or somebody from out of the blue just bringing up like you know you want me to call 911 you know stuff like that <laughs> and like they'll just get some random text and i'm like that just brings it all back to like us in the back room at the tpc you know telling jokes yeah. or whatever so I miss it. I do too, man. It was it was a blast. Maverick actually. There was some drama. Uh there's some drama in indie wrestling um a couple Weird. months ago, maybe three, four months ago. And it involved me and another NWL person. <laughs> and I remember Maverick saying, like, hey man, like NWL, we all need to like stick together. We're all NWL guys. And I, I just, <laughs> I remember kind of like laughing at that and being like, you know what? He's right. Like we, we all do kind of have to have each other's back because we all went through the crazy shit together. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Well, that's what it was, but yeah. So, Wrap her up, Gabe. So, what? Wrap her up, Gabe. Oh, okay. But no, before we wrap going. up, before we wrap up, I want to, I want to ask, ask you guys both kind of a fun question. So during uh golf is all about, I mean, we're all kind of, story guys you know we like stories in our wrestling um but part of uh stories is promos so hoodie you're known as a great stick guy you're uh, still even when i film you backstage at csw i'm like holy crap this guy is amazing on promos um although he put water on my jacket this last saturday night uh that wasn't me that was me i saw i saw somebody else spill that i swear on everything that wasn't me okay that was that was the kid that wrestled the first thing the first match anyway go ahead really that kid Yeah. yeah straight up Okay. Um, but anyways, um, if you had to pick one promo for somebody to watch, what promo would that be? And this is for both you and, and golf. Yeah. No, no. Uh, uh, well let's do both. Let's do one promo from personal NWL stuff and then one promo outside. Mm. All right. I got, I know what the NWL one is right off the bat and it's not mine. And honestly, I could make a case that this would be my like of all of wrestling promo too. Wow. And I might, I might be biased because I was in the room for it, but the Draper's win promo oh, dude. is like one of my favorite promos. So ever good. Because so damn good, oh, man, I could, I, we, I could talk forever about this too, but like, if you know Dak and you know what he was going through in his life at that time, dude. and then you piece the story of just like the character of Dak Draper, that promo was just so excellent. So, so well done. The, the it was perfectly produced, perfectly like uh, done by Draper. It was just, it, that's one of my favorite promos to this day. I love Dude, that promo. If that's you, if, good choice. If, if you go on YouTube, the NWL X or whatever, just type in Draper's win that mm. that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, that would be wow. – it, Dak had some really great promos. That was his best at NWL. Uh, you know, I mean, Hoodie had great promos. Michael Strider had 
great promos with the foundation. They always had good stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed, I've, I've told you, I enjoyed shooting all those vignettes, like sort of leading up into like the character, character introduction, you know, when <laughs> oh, I went yeah. on the street with the foundation and suits and stuff, they were so into that. Um, you know, they're, the people that had the most passion obviously did the most promos, the best promos. Um, as far as like, uh, man, I love, there's a lot of great promos through time. None of them in NWA gave, they're all WWF. <laughs> um, uh, no, I uh, would, uh, there, I mean, know. what about the dusty promo? What about the famous? No, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, joking. Times, yeah. I'm joking. Hard times. But, yeah. um, gosh, I, you know, I don't know. Like Flair had some great ones in WWF. Uh, his win after 92 was like, yeah. and that's all passion too. Um, you know, there's, there's so many, uh, like, Macho Man had some great promos. I mean, I don't know. Like, I always like, I love the character promos, but, you know, like a Dak Draper win promo, that kind of promo is always the best if you know a lot of what's going behind the scenes and how much truth it is in, in it. So, you know, you have yeah. a little bit better perspective when you're involved in it. So, the Triple H, uh, the one where he referred to himself as the game the first time, I think is one of my favorite, like, Triple H promos. Yeah. Where yeah. he's like sitting down with JR. And yeah, that was a good one, too. Hey, Hoodie, yeah. weren't you weren't you in the building? God, there was a match you were in the building for that was one of the greatest matches. What 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 was that? Can you relive that real quick? It was it was what what match? It was uh, it was the match that you always talk about that you were in the building for. 80, oh. That... oh yeah, WrestleMania twenty five, the Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah, seventy five thousand people suspended their suspended their disbelief to watch this wizard fight. This guy, this holy man, it was one of the best matches ever, Chris. Uh, well, it was, sec- I, you know, I'll second tell you what, only Chris, to Bad Blood. No, I'll tell you what, Chris, it was their best match ever. <laughs> I love, I love Bad Blood too, but man, that match was so good, dude. Yeah, so, I, I brought you know, I brought that up for a reason because yeah, you guys yeah. used to always do that. We argue so about this all funny. The time. But, so but funny. what was that? What was the initial question? Like Sean's best match was that the question, or was it Taker's best match? I don't. I think it was. I think it was Taker's best match. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. And, you know, Mick Foley ruined freaking all those matches Hell after Hell, yeah. Hell in the Cell. But, uh, you know, Bad Blood Hell in the Cell to that point was the greatest match I'd ever seen. I was sitting front row for it. So, you know, <laughs> hoodie hanging from the rafters with the 80,000. I was sitting there feeling <laughs> I had Sean's blood on my shoes. So I'm, I'm taking the win on Bad Blood. Yeah, you might be right. right? <laughs> hey. Hey, hey, I don't I don't know if they still have it, but if you guys if you guys are big wrestling nerds like me and you are thrown on Monday Night Raw and just kind of like binge watching it uh, some when were you there, Chris? What were the years you were there? Somewhere between like uh, 97 and 03 is when I was okay. actually there, but I was on the writing team like 0203. So um, while I was employed at NWL, I was just. <laughs> just binge watching monday night raw and a commercial came up for oh, a yeah. super, soaker. super soaker oh yeah and there's big old country chris goff there <laughs> uh getting sprayed by dx in a uh, commercial for a super soaker oh that was my a, God. dude i was a uh, 18 i was 19 i just turned 19 that years old uh in that promo and you want to talk about a little mark okay well a big <laughs> little mark uh like when i went um they were shooting all those super super soaker was there. that's when they still had those like you know they had those tournaments with karate fighters the karate fighter tournaments you know they had all these thing cool things with, like these tie-in gimmicks and super soaker was there and they asked they said they needed like a 
intern to like speak some lines in this promo with it was just it was uh the new age outlaws and x-pac yeah. and uh just the day of like hanging around them and helping them i got so many stories just from being around them but they let me say like a few lines about super soaker as don't act like you don't know the lines you know the line the super soaker 3000 is that no i didn't has four adjustable widths no, but uh, – and then at the end, uh, Miss, uh, Billy Gunn's like, hey, big country, and he turns around and sprays <laughs> me with the damn water machine, you know, the water gun. But, uh, yeah, it's so funny that the Regals and, and Hoodie would binge watch the <laughs> network, and then they'd be like, hey, big country, I saw you backstage in SmackDown, and they'd pull me up. I had, like, another thing where I'm sitting front row in SmackDown, and I'm wearing a uh, Rey Mysterio mask, which obviously I look just like Rey Mysterio with the mask on, and uh, – and Kurt Angle and him were having that feud and like Kurt pulls it off because he was like freaked out and it's just me there. And like, I mean, the Regals always popped when they saw me on these stupid <laughs> little five second cameos it's on awesome. SmackDown. But it's funny. Uh, that, you awesome. know, those those probably brought me some brownie points with some of the boys. So they actually know I was not lying. Like most. Well, not to mention you're, you're like freakishly tall and like, <laughs> you're, like a, you're like a like a like a well built dude for a wrestling promoter too like well i mean i i not all of us can be pedophiles and 400 pounds i mean but uh holy I tried, tried to well there was one like that around these parts back in the day so i'm actually talking from examples yeah. okay right. all right okay gabe like yeah like the west coast over there is like clean give me oh god we're 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 chock full of pedophiles what are you talking about yeah um all right. Well, now that this conversation is fully derailed, Hoodie, um, is there anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? And uh, just thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. It was really awesome getting to talk to you guys. Um, just, you know, whatever, Twitter, Instagram. I don't really use either, but. Um, <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> come check me out at uh, CSW if you guys are. If you guys are, you know, into the NWL presentation, I, I think CSW does a pretty good job as far as. Uh, you know, as close as you can get to it. So yeah, that's pretty much all I got. How's really, your ankle uh, doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. good. Okay, good. Yeah, we'll we're, we'll get there. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all so much, Chris. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, Hoodie's one of my favorites, and thanks Aww. for coming on, buddy. Love you, bud. Appreciate you, man. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the worst territory in the world. Of course, we'll be back next week the week after all the stuff nwl all stuff central states wrestling territory midwest all that good stuff we'll see you next time right here on the worst territory in the world bye bye it's the worst territory in the world